MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello. And welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, October 2nd, 2020. Today, the Department of Homeland Security is working in lockstep with Russian agents on U.S. soil to spread disinformation about Kyle Rittenhouse. The CIA, NSA, and Office of Director of National Intelligence warned Trump's spy chief, Ratcliffe, not to distribute debunked Russian intelligence, but he did anyway. Brad Parscale resigns as the Trump family is scared he'll cut a deal with the government. Jacob Wool and Jack Berkman face felony charges in Michigan. The Texas governor reduces ballot drop-off locations in his state to one per county. Trump whines about new debate rules. Trump's law commission violates the law and is ordered to stop practicing. And H.R. McMaster says Trump is aiding and abetting Putin. I'm your host, A.G. We have a massive show for you today. No surprise. The headlines keep coming through, uh, though the coverage... Um, in the mainstream media, still wall to wall, Trump refusing to condemn white supremacy. Uh, But that's good because none of the messaging he wanted to get out from the debates came out. It's just all this all the time. Uh, And there are those serious allegations of Russian attacks on our elections right now. And I'll be covering that. And speaking of Russia, I'll be talking to Harley Rauda, who beat Dana Rohrabacher in 2018. He's working to keep his seat in the 48th in California in the House, U.S. House of Representatives. And we will tell you how to help him in a very special Keep It Blue segment. And I'll also be discussing how the administration is aiding and abetting Russia. I'll be talking with former counterintel assistant director of the FBI, Frank Faglusi. Again, I've had him on twice this week, but this news was so important I had to speak with him. And of course, it's Friday, so we'll have the good news with Amy Carrero at the end of the show. We do have a lot to get to, so let's just jump right in. Hit the hot notes. Hot notes. The lead story today is the Fantasy Indictment League. I'm going to be indicted! No, wait, it's going to be a... Indicted! Honey, dick. Indicted! Honey, I'm going to be indicted! Hold it, they can't. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm going to be indicted! The Attorney General in Michigan has filed charges against Jacob Wool and Jack Berkman. They are being charged with one count each of election law, intimidating voters, uh, one count of conspiracy to commit an election law violation, one count of using a computer to commit the crime of election law for intimidating voters, and using a computer to commit the crime of conspiracy. Each faces up to 24 years in prison. Wall and Berkman orchestrated a series of robocalls aimed at suppressing the vote in the November general election, attempting to discourage voters by targeting certain urban areas, including Detroit. The calls were made in late August and went out to nearly 12,000 residents in the 313 area code. Quote, during its investigation, this office communicated with attorneys general in New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Illinois, all of which reported similar robocalls to residents in urban areas, totaling about 90,000, with significant minority populations. The caller falsely tells people that mail-in voting will allow your personal information to become part of a special database used by police to track down old warrants and by credit card companies to collect outstanding debts. They also claim the CDC will use the info to track people for mandatory vaccines. None of that is true. 
And it also happens to match a lot of the ads purchased by Cambridge Analytica on Facebook, $40 million worth in 2016 for the Trump campaign to target deterrence voters, 3.5 million black voters in 16 key swing states. This reporting came out from Channel 4 in the UK. We went over it very specifically, and these were literally, word for word, what they were doing, what they were telling and targeting deterrence voters with in urban areas like Detroit. And this is very, very unsettling, considering that the amount of calls they made is about equivalent to the amount of votes Trump won by in those three swing states uh, in, in 2016. I don't know if Wool and Berkman were working with anyone uh, outside of this country to do this or if they just uh, took their cue from Cambridge Analytica. If they did work with Cambridge Analytica that was funded by foreign agencies, that would be a FARA violation, uh, and they could be looking at felony charges federally. Uh, it does say here that the, they were working, um, that the the Michigan Attorney General was working with attorney, U.S. Attorneys General, federal attorneys general in New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Illinois. So we could see some federal indictments drop on this. Um, it's just such a huge coincidence how much this mirrors the reporting from Channel 4. Um, and also we could maybe see more charge. I mean, he's, Wall is already facing a criminal indictment in California from U.S. Attorney's Office for securities fraud charges. And the, that California office also helped, uh, assist Michigan in this investigation too. We could see federal felony charges for these robocalls there, although I don't think they would target California voters. We'll keep you posted on this, but this is big. Speaking of Cambridge Analytica, Brad Parscale has officially stepped down from the Trump campaign. I don't know why that step was necessary. I thought it was assumed, but all right. And as we told you yesterday, the Trump family is very scared he's going to start cooperating with authorities because he's under investigation for stealing from the RNC, stealing from the Trump campaign, probably under some sort of redacted, we don't even know about it, secret investigation uh, by the feds for his participation in that Channel 4 reporting shit with Cambridge Analytica and receiving foreign funds. This guy is in a shitload of trouble, and he allegedly beats his wife. He was taken into custody for barricading himself in his Fort Lauderdale home, brandishing a gun and threatening suicide. So he's in the hospital under the Baker Act right now. I assume he'll be arrested soon. He has a lot of incentive to flip. And now uh, more voter suppression in Texas as Governor Abbott announces he will be closing all but one ballot drop box location in each county in Texas or drop off location. So there'll only be one per county. That includes their largest county, Harris County, the most populous and Democratic county, which had 11 drop off locations. Now we'll only have one. I'm hoping a judge will block this soon. Beans on that. We'll keep you posted. Also today, internal documents obtained by NBC show Trump officials were told to make comments sympathetic to Kyle Rittenhouse. That's the teenager charged with fatally shooting two protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin. This document from the White House to the Department of Homeland Security suggests that DHS say Rittenhouse took his rifle to the scene of rioting to help defend small businesses. This puts the DHS messaging in lockstep with Kremlin messaging. And I would say that I hoped someone was looking into it, but the DHS inspector general is a Trump lapdog. He's gutted that office. 
And from Reuters, the Russian group accused of attacking our elections in 2016, Cozy Bear, has posed as an independent news outlet to target right-wing social media users ahead of this year's election, according to two people familiar with an FBI investigation into the matter. The latest operation centered around a pseudo-media organization called the Newsroom for American and European-Based Citizens. Yeah, that doesn't sound Russian at all. It's called the NAEBC. It was run by uh, people associated with the Internet Research Agency. It's it's a subsidiary of the Internet Research Agency. U.S. prosecutors say the same group was also exposed last month for running fake left-wing media outlet ads. And the NAEBC shows Russian attempts to influence U.S. voters by targeting both sides of the aisle. Ryan Knight, Nina Turner, Bree, Bree, Bree. Take note. I'm looking at you. Topics spread by the branch of the internet, this branch of the Internet Research Agency include attacks on Biden, uh, his, you know, the Tara Reid stuff, his uh, mental acuity, um, his Ukraine son Hunter Biden stuff. It includes criticisms of the Black Lives Matter movement, saying they're Marxist. Sound familiar? Sounds like something Trump tweets, right? And it includes praise for Kyle Rittenhouse. So, direct Kremlin agents linked to the Internet Research Agency and Cozy Bear, who attacked us in 2016. And the Department of Homeland Security is being told to mirror those exact messages. From the illegally installed director and deputy director, by the way, Chad Wolf and Cuccinelli. That prompted Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut to pen a thread on Twitter today. I suggest you go check it out. Uh, and he reminds us that on September 9th, less than a month ago, the intelligence, the head of intelligence at the Department of Homeland Security, because DHS has its own intelligence uh, branch, filed a whistleblower complaint saying the White House instructed him to hide reports of Russian interference from us. And when Congress wrote to, you know, say we need we need briefings, wrote to the DNI, Office of DNI, we need briefings, Evanina came forward and said, yeah, Russia, uh, sort of, China, though, and Iran, boy, they want Biden to win. Some Russia, but mostly, look at this. He, he equated China and Iran to what Russia's doing, and it's just no contest. And that was September 9th that this whistleblower came forward, the head of intelligence at DHS. The next day, Mnuchin slapped some sanctions on Durkacz, but no announcement from the FBI or the DHS that they'd caught a Russian spy red-handed trying to interfere in our elections. That is why Trump's former national security advisor today uh, came out and said Trump is aiding and abetting Putin's interference campaign. H.R. McMaster said that today. Interesting language, aiding and abetting. That's criminal-level language. Treason is aiding and comfort, aid and comfort. Criminal, federal criminal, is aid and abet. Not meddle, not interfere, aiding and abetting. And finally, now we have more evidence that Lindsey Graham and our own director of national intelligence are also aiding and abetting Russia. And I'll be discussing that with former assistant director to the FBI for counterintelligence, Frank Vagluzzi, later in the show. Very important interview. Very, very important. Extremely telling that all these top officials are using criminal terms like aiding and abetting. Because Frank used that with me too. So stick around for that. A few more headlines flying under the radar right now. Nearly 800,000 Americans filed for unemployment last week. Furloughs of over 20,000 employees for American and United Airlines began today. Disney's going to lay off another 28,000 and Allstate will lay off 4,000. Personal income declined 3% in August. 
And tomorrow we will get the September jobs report, the unemployment numbers. The economy is continuing to collapse under this president. We have to register to vote. We have to. If we can contribute, we have to do that. I have a very special link for uh, Beans listeners to contribute directly to the Biden campaign. All of it goes to the Biden campaign. And that's on my Twitter thread, at Allison Gill, in the pinned tweet. You'll see the link there with my video. And a judge has ruled that Trump's law enforcement commission is against the law. <laughs> President's law thing breaks law. Uh, this judge has ordered them to stop work. This was just about, just as Barr was about to issue a report about it. Uh, Trump's National Commission on Policing, launched earlier this year by Trump and Barr, has violated federal law by seating only people in law enforcement, failing to include members with different perspectives, such as civil rights activists, defense attorneys, or mental health professionals. The group also failed to file a charter, post a public notice of its meetings, or open meetings to the public, breaking all sorts of rules. So a federal judge has told Barr and Trump they have to stop. And even though Barr has written a report and he's all ready to submit it, he's not allowed to issue it. This order came from Judge John Bates, and it was in response to a suit filed by the NAACP for violating laws on how advisory committees have to work. The top law enforcement official can't follow the law. Just let that sink in. And Trump is pissed and whining about new debate rules that could give the moderator the power to mute his microphone, and he's threatened not to be part of the debates. Fine. Good. Let Joe hold a town hall. You stay home, you fucking whiny child. That would be fine with us. That reminds me of something. I'll never forget this. My mom did this when I was a kid. I was four. I was four years old. We were in the grocery store. I wanted something. I don't know what. I wanted Fruit Loops or some shit. My mom wouldn't let me have them. So I threw a tantrum, right? And, and I guess this was my first tantrum. I'd never done this before. But I am stomping my feet, crying, screaming in the middle of the grocery store. And so my mom grabs, you know, we're in the cereal aisle, which also has the baking aisle, and it's got the, all the pots and, like, the sort of kitchenware, like pots and pans and spoons and shit. She grabs a pot and a spoon. She starts walking up and down the aisle, banging the pot with the spoon, saying, attention, shoppers, attention, everyone, everyone, please pay attention to my daughter. And then she gestures towards me. My daughter wants Fruit Loops, and I won't buy them for her, and she wants everyone to pay attention to her. And I just stopped dead in my tracks. And was quiet for the rest of the shopping trip. <laughs> that is how Trump acts. I was four. I wanted Fruit Loops. We'll be right back with the Democratic candidate for Congress in California's 48th district. He is the current congressman there, having defeated Russia Rohrabacher in 2018, and he is running to keep it blue. My interview with Harley Rauda is next. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. 2020 has been a crazy year. We could all use a break from the stress and the constant bad news. So if you're looking for a fun way to give yourself a break while engaging your brain and enjoying breathtaking visuals and calming stuff and a gripping story, try Best Fiends. It is a super fun game app. I'm obsessed with this. I love Best Fiends because it's a refreshing pause from the daily insanity of politics and pandemics, but it keeps my mind sharp, keeps my mind focused and active. Uh, Best Fiends for me is a good stress reliever. It's part of my self-care routine. I can focus on my character collection. I level them up. I love them. Uh, and they have fun and challenging puzzles to engage my brain. Uh, I started playing Best Fiends once in a while as a quick distraction, but I was so, like, just calmed by the bright, beautiful visual design. I got deeper into the story and the characters. Most of the characters are bugs, by the way, and they're adorable. And the bad guys are slugs, so it's kind of like... 
this administration. But you collect tons of characters. You have to use them strategically. There's a lot of, you know, mental work that goes into it. I find myself playing more and more in weird places at random times because it doesn't require the Internet, so you don't have to worry about Wi-Fi access or using cell data. Uh, Best Fiends treats the game like a service. Uh, for its players. It updates it monthly, has new levels all the time. It never gets old. I'm, I'm approaching level 1300. I absolutely love it. Uh, it's a unique and exciting puzzle experience, and like any other games out there, so engage your brain with fun puzzles, collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, Best Fiends, a five-star rated mobile puzzle game, is a must-play. So download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time to keep it blue. And joining me today for the Flip It Blue Now Keep It Blue segment is current Congressman Harley Rauda. He is running again to keep his seat in California's 48th district. Uh, that's Orange County from Sunset Beach to Laguna Beach. We knocked doors there in 2018, Jordan and I. And uh, he's running against Michelle Steele, the Republican. And he currently serves on the Transportation Infrastructure Committee and the Oversight and Government Reform Committee, which we've been following very closely, as you know. So please welcome Congressman Harley Rauda. Car- uh, Congressman, welcome. Hey, Allison. Great to be with you today. It is such an honor to speak to you. Um, we, you were part of that kind of uh, that that flipping Orange County blue just was so so important. We gained so many seats there. So you know, congratulations on that, and we look forward to helping you continue to keep Orange County blue. Well, Allison, it was a team effort, and you were part of that team. It. Uh, was an amazing job by, we had 8,000 volunteers by the time we got to election day and, and defeated Russia's favorite congressman. And it was uh, people just like you who were knocking on doors, making phone calls, texting, uh, providing contributions so we could put on a, a, a solid race. And uh, all that effort definitely paid off, not just in my district, but in all of Orange County. Mm-hmm. And and what you mean by uh, Russia's favorite congressman, our listeners will know as Rohrabacher. Uh, who was called if two people if Putin pays two people it's Rohrabacher and Trump and we did an entire episode of our old podcast Mueller she wrote called uh, episode 17 was about Dana and you know we're just now finding out it was him who offered that pardon for Trump to Assange uh, when he visited the uh, the embassy in Ecuador so very 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 well fought and deservedly kicking the booty of Rohrabacher out of Congress. So thank you for that and all the effort of everyone that went into that. But let's talk about your platform. We got to keep this seat blue. So tell us a little bit. Right now, I've I've talked to dozens of of, uh, folks running for the House uh, that are trying to flip and keep seats blue uh, because it's so important to hold the House. And I want to talk a little bit about your district, but I also, health care right now seems to be the biggest thing on everybody's minds. Number one, because Donald Trump is in court with the Republicans right now trying to gut the Affordable Care Act, uh, which is our step, you know, repairing it on the way to Medicare for all. Uh, we can't have that without this and uh, without getting Trump out of office and without throwing these uh, Republicans out. But also, we are in the middle of a global pandemic. So can you talk about your health care plan? Absolutely. The, the, we lose sight with this president because he's created a four-hour news cycle. And we, just, we need to stop and reflect that 200,000 of our fellow Americans have died so far because of the pandemic, 7 million infections. 
those are numbers that are staggering. They lead the world, and this is the place you don't want to lead the world. And it's an outcome of the lack of leadership and the lack of commitment by Donald Trump and this administration to protect Americans from this pandemic. And it also has clearly showed all of us the uh, fault lines we have with the uh, protections and services we provide our fellow Americans. And healthcare is certainly one of those that we see firsthand uh, uh, how folks are disproportionately impacted by this pandemic. And that's why we've got to continue to expand healthcare coverage, not roll it back. And you know, the president talks out of both sides of his mouth uh, all the time. Back to the old adage about how can you tell when uh, President Trump is lying, his lips are moving. And for him to say that he will continue to protect pre-existing conditions while uh, uh, taking the lead in a lawsuit in Texas to overturn the ACA uh, proves, once again, uh, he'll lie on any topic whatsoever. And with a pandemic, we still have tens of millions of Americans who do not have health insurance or adequate health insurance. And as, uh, as, as Vice President Biden has said, you know, we want to make sure everyone has affordable health care insurance. So instead of rolling back the ACA, we need to expand the ACA. And one of the ways I think we need to do that is uh, what I would call open Medicare for all, uh, a little bit different than some of the other versions out there uh, that have been bandied about, but expanding Medicare to uh, individuals, families, small businesses, uh, so that they can access it at a level of uh, cost that they can afford. So it's still affordable. And uh, that will help reduce the gap of uninsured, hopefully to the point where we have no uninsured or underinsured uh, individuals in America. Mm-hmm. And introducing that plan, it, it, it conquers so many of the issues that, that we face right now. It, it First of all, it lowers costs by making quality um, at, like easy access to quality, affordable health care, it, it, that forces the private insurance companies to compete, right? And so prices will go down, it will drive costs down, and therefore premiums go down, everything goes down. And and uh, except for the quality of care, which is evidence-based, goes up because, you know, being, we, I've worked at the Department of Veterans Affairs forever. That is a socialized medicine, group of socialized medicine folks, and we have to be stewards of the taxpayer money. So everything has to be evidence-based and, and, and work properly in order for that to, to continue. So, and, you know, and we also took oaths. I know that doesn't mean much to Republicans. So I think it's, I, I agree with you, Hundred percent. It's so so very important, and uh, you know, this pandemic. A lot of people don't understand because it's it's only been around here for eight months or so. It's, we don't know the long term effects. Right. We, we we might have so many pre existing conditions come out of Trump's total mismanagement and the Republican and Republicans in Congress's total mismanagement of this pandemic. So creating pre-existing conditions and then removing protections from them at the same time is definitely not the way to go. Right. And Allison, you know, you just hit it the nail on the head. The uh, By opening up Medicare for others to buy into it, again, uh, individuals, small businesses and families, Medicare has consistently delivered high-quality health care services to uh, its uh, members and users at $0.65 on the dollar compared to the private insurance market, while serving a population that tends to use health care services at a much higher level than the overall population, obviously because of the, uh, uh, the age cohorts. So if you can expand the base of users and allow them to come in, you're absolutely right. Not only will 
lower the prices uh, by forcing the private insurance markets to be more uh, competitive. It will also allow better services to be expanded within the Medicare community. So this to me is a great first step. And, and then we can uh, reconnoiter after we see the impact there as to how we can continue to expand the quality of services and expand the extension of healthcare to others. Yeah. And, and private care with no public options incentivizes people to you know, right. make money off of sick people. It's it's disgusting and it's horrible. It is. So it needs to end. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. And as many people have said, we don't have health care in the United States. We have sick care. Absolutely. We do. We just don't have preventive care and it's, it's costing us right. trillions of dollars. It's terrible. Uh, and, and then, you know, health care is tied to the economy right now, people, 40 million people out of work, people who, who rely on employment for health care and not even to pay for it, just to give them a little bit of a break on the extremely high costs is also a problem. And so but, you know, a lot of what your platform here is about creating jobs, especially in green and renewable energy. And and I think that that's it's very important to, to open up Medicare for also people don't rely on their jobs for health care, but also to create jobs at the same time. I think that puts just more and like that exponential money back into to the system. You, do you know? Right. Yeah. And you, you're talking about an area, too. When, you, when we start talking about uh, economic opportunity, we also have to talk about climate change. They actually go hand in hand in my mind. And. Uh, we are uh, obviously dealing with a pandemic and the relief uh, 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 bills that we have passed to support it. We've got to look longer term. And you know, the number one issue, I believe, facing all of us and our children and our grandchildren and future generations is climate change. And climate change is much of a challenge that it, it, it has for all of us. It's also an opportunity in the sense that we have to address it. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Otherwise, we very well might uh, not have a livable world for future generations. So that being said, how can we take this extraordinary challenge and create opportunity? And the opportunity is let's make sure that we align our tax code to provide the economic incentives to create the renewable energies, the innovation that we need to be able to uh, manage and address this issue. And let's not abdicate our leadership in this area to other countries. And, and, and when you abdicate your leadership, not only are you uh, uh, losing the leadership in addressing it, you're also losing the opportunity to create the industries and jobs that will help address this, uh, this horrific issue. So in, a, in an ideal world, you'd have an administration and a tax code uh, fully aligned to help build the industries of tomorrow, the jobs of tomorrow, right here in the United States, preferably right here in Southern California, and also have the ability to export that uh, know-how and technology around the world to help address the issue, just as we did in, in many other industries throughout the history of our country. Yeah, absolutely. And and currently, we're trying to also flip the Senate so that the work that you've done and the work that you want to do can be at least read and considered <laughs> by right. by the Senate so that we can legislate uh, for for once. And and speaking of the environment, I mean, you've been stymied by all of this money in politics. And I, I want to know uh, two things. Um, not you know from the Senate blocking all of this, but we flip the Senate. Let's say we flip the Senate. What will you do to get money out of politics and also uh, to to 
put forth? What are you working on as far as as stimulus or or uh, relief, uh, coronavirus relief? So let's talk about money and politics first. And you know, the big driver of soft or dark money in politics was the 2010 Citizens United decision by the Supreme Court that basically said corporations are people too. And I always ask my audiences when I'm speaking, I said, you know, who here has ever held hands with a corporation? Who here has ever made, uh, is, is, is kissed and made out with a, a corporation? And everybody gets a chuckle out of it. Although I did have one person say they had been screwed by a corporation. And so I think we can all relate to that as well. But the fact is corporations are not people. And um, that decision that said that they are people too, and therefore have the ability to uh, inject money into the election cycles uh, and, and, uh, and, and what that impact would be was completely misconstrued and missed by the majority who said that they did not think their decision would have much of an impact on dark and soft money coming into politics. And the rough numbers are approximately $140 million of soft, dark money was in the 2010 election. And by 2016, it was $1.6 billion. So what that decision has caused is that uh, elections have become incredibly more expensive, as well as funded by uh, uh, interest and uh, money that we don't have full transparency and accountability as to where it's coming from, including even foreign actors. So what we have passed in the House of Representatives and the, the first major piece of legislation uh, that we took on in the, the current 116th Congress uh, was H.R. 1, which really was driven towards uh, finance reform, campaign finance reform, accountability, and, and transparency. Uh, that bill obviously has gone nowhere with the Senate and is one, just one of many examples of legislation that uh, is sitting at the feet of Mitch McConnell. And, you know, I, let me take a real quick second here, Allison. I also, I, I try to look things from a historical perspective. And when you look at what has been passed by this Senate uh, compared to a previous time when Obama was president, Harry Reid, Democrat, controlled the Senate, but the House was controlled by Republicans. Legislation passed by the Republican House and passed by the Democratic Senate was twice as much as what we are seeing now. Point being, it is true that there is a graveyard of legislation sitting at the feet of Mitch McConnell. He cares more about filling a Supreme Court seat than doing his job to save the lives of hundreds of thousands of Americans and many more who will be ill from a pandemic. And that is a tragedy in itself. And, uh, and, and that leads me to the second part of your question. What are we doing right now um, to help continue uh, our ability to address the pandemic? And it certainly has been a challenge with Mitch McConnell and the Senate, as well as the administration. And while we have passed uh, numerous major pieces of legislation. The HEROES Act is still uh, sitting in the Senate. That being said, uh, my understanding is that we uh, are close to an agreement on a revised HEROES Act and that I will be going back to D.C. on Monday uh, so we can work on the uh, final completion of that legislation. Awesome. Um, I've got about... A minute left, and I would really like to discuss uh, with you where are 
listeners can help and volunteer and, and text bank and phone bank and write postcards and where they can contribute uh, financially to your campaign. Can you give us uh, information on that and where they can find out about your platform? Sure. Come to Harley, H-A-R-L-E-Y, for congress.com, F-O-R, congress.com. And you can donate and you can volunteer there. This race uh, ended up being the most expensive race in the history of Congress other than the Ossoff race in 2018. Again, it's going to be expensive. My opponent is number one nationally in money raised among Republican challengers and number one in money received from the NRCC. And with the pandemic, our army of 8,000 volunteers that we had knocking on doors last time, uh, that asset cannot be fully utilized now because of the pandemic. So we have to rely more than ever on uh, contributions and donations so that we can place traditional media and digital media to help educate voters and in, in why they need to get out and vote for me. So if people can go there and make a contribution uh, and or volunteer, that would be great. Awesome. Well, it's been an honor to speak to the person who defeated Dana Rohrabacher. It's, it's really a pleasure <laughs> to talk to you and uh we will do what we can let us know how we do as well keep in touch and uh man we'll keep we'll keep hitting the phones and hitting the texts and, and writing the postcards for the next gosh what do we have 38 days yep hey allison thank you for everything you are doing you know we we're all patriots trying to serve our country right now and we thank you for your service as well Oh, no problem. It's 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 a worthwhile cause and so is your campaign so thank you very much and we will talk soon All right, everybody, stick around. Right after this, we have the interview. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Want to get out some stress? This portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Fight Camp. Like most people doing during this time, I'm trying to exercise and stay in shape and, uh, and, and ease my anxiety. But, you know, I get easily bored with the same workouts. I'm always looking for new routines. And if you're like me, you're looking for an exciting workout that's fun and challenging but not boring, you have to check out Fight Camp. Fight Camp is an at-home boxing and bodyweight workout taught by real fighters. And it's made for all levels from first-time boxers to seasoned fighters. It's great for kids, too. Uh, the boxing workout is always ranked as one of the best ways to get in shape. It's one of the most fun ways to get a full-body workout. You combine cardio and strength training, high-intensity interval training, and you develop hand-eye coordination, and it relieves so much stress. Fight Camp provides the gear you need, too, including gloves, wraps, the best freestanding punching bag on the market. I love it. And their unique punch tracking sensors that show you real-time progress and stats on any iOS device. The workouts are structured like traditional boxing rounds, with interval training of three minutes of high-intensity boxing and bodyweight training, and then you get to rest for a minute. You can access over 400 different workouts for all fitness levels and skills. And there's four new workouts every week. And you can connect with Fight Camp users on Facebook. They have 4,000 members. There's challenges. You can share your successes and hardships and get support from the community. And they have a leaderboard so you can have some healthy competition. You can watch yourself reach new milestones and bring that goal-crushing mentality to every part of your life. Fight Camp keeps you engaged and focused and in the zone. Endless variety, uplifting beats, motivating trainers, and a powerful technology all combine to create a uniquely satisfying workout. And Fight Camp offers flexible financing, low as 0% APR. And right now, for a limited time, you can try Fight Camp for 30 days with their money-back guarantee. Just go to joinfightcamp.com beans. That's right. You can try Fight Camp for 30 days. And if you don't love it, they'll refund your money. Train like a fighter. Turn your sweat into results. Try Fight Camp for 30 days. Go to joinfightcamp.com beans. Again, that's joinfightcamp.com beans.
All right, everybody, welcome back with me again today to discuss alarming reporting from the Wall Street Journal about warnings to the director of national intelligence is former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence, Frank Fagluzzi. Frank, welcome back. Thanks for speaking with me on such short notice. Yeah, it's okay. It seems like short notice is the uh, the name of the game these days with the news cycle. Yeah, that's the MO, especially when it comes to this counterintelligence stuff. And, and you're my go-to, you're my expert for this. So as we know, two days ago, DNI, Director of National Intelligence Ratcliffe, who, by the way, wasn't confirmed the first time because he lied in his resume about his intelligence expertise. Uh, Ratcliffe sent a poorly written letter to the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Lindsey Graham, declassifying debunked Russian intelligence. The the Senate Intel Committee debunked it uh, that was intercepted by the intelligence community. And yesterday, Lindsey Graham introduced that into a Senate hearing during a hearing with James Comey. And last night, we found out from the Wall Street Journal that the CIA, NSA, and Office of DNI had warned Ratcliffe not to distribute that disinformation. Can you tell us, first of all, what Russian intelligence was in that letter? And secondly, why this is so alarming? Well, let's start with, let, let's start with the, uh, the latter. Um, it's alarming because it's even further confirmation of what we already knew, which is that Ratcliffe is appointed DNI for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to get Trump reelected. So he is far from being a neutral arbiter of intelligence. He has zero intelligence experience, but even more importantly, he is politicizing the role of intelligence across the U.S. intelligence community. And I think the nugget that comes out of the Wall Street Journal reporting that's the most disturbing is that Despite the fact that his intelligence agencies and analysts there were telling him, look, we have attributed this information to Russian intelligence services and, comma, it is likely a disinformation propaganda campaign. He went ahead and publicly disseminated it, declassified it, and then handed it to Lindsey Graham right before Lindsey Graham was going to hold a hearing with Jim Comey. He, he did not allow widespread Democratic staffers and, and Democrat, Democrat members of the Judiciary Committee to attend a special briefing he gave Lindsey Graham on this. So to make a long story short, this information essentially says that if Hillary Clinton was behind a conspiracy to start some kind of way to bash Trump. And this has been now discredited by our intelligence community, and it's being weaponized. And what this means is that our DNI and, and by, by reference, Lindsey Graham, have, are aiding and abetting the Russian intelligence service. If you, if you hear Radcliffe speak, if you hear Lindsey Graham speak, you might as well hear them speak with a Russian accent. <laughs> yeah. Now, now tell us why, um, because Lindsey Graham and Republicans and Trump supporters are trying to equate this Russian intelligence disinformation, this this debunked Russian intelligence that, that Ratcliffe distributed with the Steele dossier. They're trying to equate those two things. This, you know, don't die on this hill. This is the same, same thing. Can you explain why this is not even the same sport, let alone the same ballpark? Right. So there, yeah, there's no, there, there isn't an equivalency there. So there's a difference between the intelligence community saying, 
hey, this is being planted by the Russian intelligence service. Do not further this by by declassifying and making it public. And Lord, don't don't go ahead and use it in an actual Senate uh, Judiciary Committee meeting. There's a difference between attributing something to the Russian intelligence service and then um, utilizing as part of a total package some information that's come to you through a source who has a subsource who might be suspicious to you. In other words, if you, you know, we're in the the intelligence folks are in the business of assessing in their totality the universe of information available to them. And as long as it's properly qualified, you can go ahead and include it as part of your picture of what you're developing for that particular project. It's very different to do that than to say, hey, I'm going to let the entire public um, see something that we now know came from bad guys is and is likely being used to trick us. And and this is not the first time by a mile, of course, because, you know, we have Senator Ron Johnson and, and, and Kaludi Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, disseminating the Durkacz material, which was funded by Fertosh. And we know Steve Mnuchin and the intelligence community and others have already deemed Durkacz having connections to Russian intelligence. And he snuck that into the Senate Foreign, Foreign Affairs Committee uh, through hearings there while, while looking into Hunter Biden. So in their, you know, their sort of cover up, uh, you know, discrediting the Russia, Trump, Trump, Russia investigation, investigations in the Senate by Republicans, they're slipping this Russian disinformation into uh, they're laundering it through through Ratcliffe into our government. And that is uh, at at least a fair violation at worst treason. Yeah, I, I, you're right to put this in that larger context that, that the DNI's use of something that he's been told not to use, something he's been told is Russian intel and propaganda, is just a small piece of a much larger puzzle wherein everybody around Trump seems to be falling right into the Russian propaganda campaign and just disseminating it. We essentially have Rudy Giuliani becoming a mouthpiece for someone who is a Russian intelligence agent, if you if you listen to the Senate intelligence uh, report that, that calls him that, you have you have the Senate um, looking into information that now clearly is coming from Russian intelligence operatives in and out of Ukraine, and now we can add to that list of people aiding and abetting an adversary, our own DNI, Ratcliffe. It, it's, and, and look, we're not even at November yet. This, this, isn't, this isn't over. I can only imagine um, the kinds of things that are going to come out now. And, you know, as we speak, um, analysts are sharing with me that they're starting to see uh, Russian propaganda pinned to Proud Boys, pinned to showing up at the polls to intimidate people. So you can see this echo chamber that's in place between the Trump folks and Russian intelligence services. And this is going to get louder and louder and louder. Mm. 
Yeah. And, you know, we were just recently warned by the FBI. They put out a PSA, which is unusual for the FBI. And Peter Strzok told me personally that we are going to be extremely vulnerable to this kind of propaganda and disinformation or disinformation between Election Day and when the results are certified. And so we have because, like you said, this isn't even November. And, of course, you know, this goes all the way back, I mean, further than this, but, you know, with with the redactions Bill Barr made, the now shown inappropriate redactions Bill Barr made to the Mueller report, downplaying the scope uh, of uh, of the Internet Research Agency uh, and, and how we had Russians on U.S. soil uh, trying to do this. And, you know, you just mentioned the Department of Homeland Security, who is now in lockstep with sympathetic messaging about Kyle Rittenhouse and white supremacists. They, they are work. They, uh, we need to see these email chains because the messaging is identical. I, I feel very comfortable saying that more than any time in our history, we are now vulnerable to an adversary telling us what to think and how to vote. And they are being aided by our own government. And it is a scenario that we probably couldn't have made up for a fiction novel or movie. And here we are living it out. I've got to tell folks, look, it's time to start unplugging from social media or and relying only on your most reliable news sources, because this is going to get worse. Last night, we got word that Twitter, um, because of a tip from the FBI, had to take down over 120 accounts that they attributed to Iran during the debate, literally during debate night. Iran was trying to mess with Americans' ability to communicate with each other about the debate in real time. So we are we are in a full-on cyber attack right now that's only going to heat up. Yeah. And and Mueller said the single most important thing to protect ourselves from Russian attacks, uh, especially with regards to the election, is to have good communication between the intelligence agencies. That's Ratcliffe, formerly Grinnell. Uh, We've got the inspector generals being gutted to prevent oversight. And Trump has cleared out all the Russia experts, Yovanovitch, Vindman, Buente, McCabe, Strzok. The NSC Russia desk has had the highest turnover (laughs) it's like it's absolutely we're and like I just we feel defenseless I feel defenseless against this I wish I had some reassuring news for you but it's (laughs) um these are these are tough times I I'm still holding out hope and I do believe that at the end of the day when election results are all counted and boy are we going to see in an all-out effort to convince us that all, that the votes should be suppressed, that we shouldn't be counting all the votes, that somehow huge portions of them will be fabricated or fraudulent. But at the end of the day, when all of this is litigated and done with, I do believe we're going to have a valid, defensible outcome to this election. Um, and I do believe that ultimately the courts and our law enforcement agencies are going to take care of business. Yeah, we still have to remember there are thousands and thousands and thousands of career professionals uh, who are still within the intelligence community and within the Department of Justice, uh, keeping their heads down and doing their work. So we can we can rest a little easier knowing that. 
And one of those folks is, uh, has the name Chris Ray. Um, he's been, a, he has been one of the only bright spots in an otherwise dark couple of months that we're going through here. And I hope he remains in place to, and be allowed to do his job. Yeah, even Steve Mnuchin slapped sanctions on Durkacz. And uh, I mean, <laughs> as I said in a tweet, do you know how Russian you have to be to get Steve Mnuchin to put sanctions on you? So, yeah. you know, there are, there are some bright spots, uh, though I'm not going to give too much credit to Steve. Yeah, please don't, because that gets us into the whole area of where where the audit is on Trump's taxes and why <laughs> why we aren't seeing the results of that. <laughs> very, very true. Yes, all and all the blockades to the House Ways and Means Committee getting their hands on it as they write as they have a right to do uh all right well thank you uh for coming and discussing this this is a five alarm fire now and i i'm really i appreciate you coming and talking to us about it on short notice just the absolute madness that our intelligence communities the intelligence communities under this administration had warned ratcliffe do not send that and as we know two days three days prior maybe four days prior the the bipartisan senate intelligence committee uh, debunked that that information, said it was unverifiable. You said it all. I have nothing to add except uh, <laughs> hunker down, strap in. We're gonna we're we're in for a bumpy ride. Yes, absolutely. Thanks again, uh, Frank Figlesi. I appreciate you coming on. Anytime. Thanks. Everybody, stay with us. We'll be right back with the good news with Amy Carrero. Stick around. Hey, everybody. It's Ag. This helping of daily beans is brought to you by Thrive Market. If you're like me and you're constantly juggling work, home, fitness, eating healthy. I recommend becoming a Thrive Market member. It is such a time saver. Thrive Market's an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. Thrive Market delivers organic and sustainable groceries right to my door. It's made working from home and my daily life so much easier. You find everything you need, organic and essential groceries, uh, clean beauty supplies, safe supplements, non-toxic home cleaners, plus ethical meat, sustainable seafood, clean wine, and more. Shopping with Thrive Market is healthy without the hassle. Uh, you can easily shop by 70-plus diets and values like keto, paleo, gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO, fair trade certified, BPA-free, and more. Skip the stores, skip the lines. I have ordered food, wine, bath and body stuff, even pet supplies. I've been using Thrive Market Coconut Vanilla Body Lotion right now. It is my new favorite. It is so calming and relaxing. And I also just tried a bag of the Sea Salt Avocado Crisps from Hippie Snacks. And they're amazing. I love Thrive Market because you get such a variety of organic, sustainable, non-GMO, and fair trade goods from a company that cares about animal welfare and carbon impact. Thrive Market is good for you and the planet because orders of $49 or more are shipped for free. And all orders are delivered with carbon-neutral shipping from their zero-waste warehouses. Enjoy guaranteed savings and member-only prices. Thrive Market members save an average of $32 on every order. And when you join, you give back. Through Thrive Gives, they have a one-for-one membership matching program. Every paid membership sponsors a free one for a low-income family. Thrive Market has exclusive offers for my listeners. Join today. You'll get a free gift of your choosing, up to $24 in value. Go to thrivemarket.com slash dailybeans. Join today, and you will get a free gift of your choosing, up to $24 in value. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash dailybeans to start your risk-free membership and get that free gift today. Thrivemarket.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. Uh, 
Oh, it's been such a long week. I'm so happy for the Friday Good News Block. And joining me today is Amy Carrero. Hey, Amy. Hey, happy Friday. Ah, oh, happy Friday. Happy-ish Friday. I mean, you know, happy-ish. <laughs> what a week. Oh, my God. Oh, um, man. Yeah, and it's not going to slow down. I can no. I can promise you that. We've, we've only got a little more than a month to go. Oh. And... Um, yeah. I mean, look, we uh yeah, it's not going to get any it's not going to slow down like you said. And I think we just were, I don't know what happened. Like did we forget or did we have some amnesia as to like what the debates were like in in 2016? I mean, this was like really fucking horrible, but like I think I must have just forgotten how terrible Trump is during a debate. Well, this was 10 times worse. I mean, so, 2016 right? was bad. Yeah. But this yeah. was ridiculous yeah. and it's <laughs> and now like the debate commission's like we need to be able to mute his yeah. mic oh, and uh, I mean, he's all mad about it like well fine, i'm not gonna go mad. cool great don't cool <laughs> great just give joe biden the hour and a half to just talk about his policies i'm sure people would love to hear you know someone's plan so yeah but maybe <laughs> this good news will cheer us up i think it will and if you want to submit uh listeners if you want to submit good news stories whether they're personal or political or if you want to submit a confession or a correction to anything that I screw up on the show, uh, please do. Just head to dailybeanspod.com, click on contact, and that drop-down menu will give you the options of what you can submit. Or you can just say hi, you know, hi. And um, hi. I'm always happy to get those messages too. <laughs> so uh, do that there. I'll kick this off, uh, Amy, if that's okay. okay, with Anonymous. Heck yeah. Um, and Anonymous pronouns listed are she and her, and she says... I recently picked up a part-time job to supplement my full-time position at the hospital. Oh, thank you for what you're doing. Uh, wow, so good. Uh, applying was a bit of an impulse because I was trying to think how I could get um, some debt. What? Maybe try to get out of some debt? Yeah, and, and still have contacts there. I was hired immediately. Uh, I found out that I really enjoy the new job, but I'm starting to freak out. Okay, let's see. She says, I'm 60 hours plus a week <gasps> oh between the two jobs with no days off in sight. I have a partner and two step kiddos at home who I now see very little. I was recently in a car accident and I'm seeing doctors for my new back issues. I'm working with a psychiatrist to adjust my meds to battle the depression and anxiety I faced for about oh. 20 years. My God. Wow. Um, some days the ennui and impending sense of doom make it impossible to get out of bed or leave my apartment. And that was before this second wow. job. I'm not sure my mental wellness can handle this. I'm worried that it's all going to cause my depression and anxiety to worsen. I'm struggling not to feel like I'll be letting a lot of people down and that oh. they will hate me for it. I feel oh. like a failure. I haven't said this out loud to anyone, so thank you for providing space. Oh, uh, anonymous, I'm so sorry. That That's the trap of anxiety and depression, right? Like the trap is that we then we start thinking to ourselves, well, I'm, I'm just letting people down or, you know, um, this is so overwhelming, not just for me, but for the people around me. And therefore, you just feel worse and worse and worse about yourself. And it's just, oh, it's just such a, a, a very vicious, vicious cycle. It is. And, you know, give yourself some show yourself some grace and give yourself some permission to to have to like free up space in your life. No one's going to yeah. hate you like, you know, me. I mean, I'm like, oh, OK, I'm going to take a week off. And then that week I put shows out all week or I record right. from yeah. the airplane bathroom a news update or because I have the exact same thing yeah. um, where I'm like, I'm going to let people down. They need me. They need me. But, you know, I'm and 
<laughs> I should take my own advice on this too. Um, right. But everybody tells me like, hey, you to to be the best you for yourself and for your stepkiddos and for your family and for everybody in your life, everyone you love. It's so it's it's so important yeah. um, to take care of yourself, you know. And remember that these are not normal circumstances. Like, shit was depressing and and anxiety inducing before we were in a global global pandemic now we're doing this plus so many other things uh and having to worry about not just our health but the health of everybody around us and how are we going to pay the bills and how are we going to get the work done so i think i don't know if this is helpful but one thing that i try to remind myself is we are living in really extraordinary times under really extraordinary circumstances and so it's not um it's not an anomaly that we're feeling this way. You know, depression and anxiety is going to get worse because our quality of life has worsened. So I, I, that gives me a little bit of a relief from the guilt that I feel sometimes, especially because I have depression and anxiety and I take medication for it. Um, but even even that, it, you know, even with medication, it, all it does is give me an, the option, right? It gives me the option to consider a possibility that is not like self-blame and self-hating. So I hope that, you know, with a little bit of um, context about where we are in the, in the world and in the planet and in the country, that maybe that will alleviate a little bit of that um, crushing, crushing pressure. Yeah. And, and you are loved. You're beloved. People yes, love you. Indeed. Well, thanks for sharing that. We have uh, something from Barbara, pronouns she, her. She says, I'm relatively new to the podcast and probably older than your typical listener. I took the plunge about a month ago and signed up for a membership. Whoop, whoop. Really enjoy listening and never miss an episode. I'm also into the book club. Listened to Mary Trump's book in audio format and sent a copy to my elderly father, who is a diehard dem. If you haven't tried audiobooks, you don't know what you're missing, she says. It, um... I like to listen while pursuing my passion, postcarding. Since 2017, I've been writing for postcards to voters. I've written over 6,000 cards so Whoa. far. <laughs> this year, Whoa. I've expanded to writing for Flip the West, Vote Forward, and Postcards to Wisconsin. Needless to say, right now, I am very busy. My quarantine confession slash guilty pleasure is ordering wine by the case. <laughs> Uh, so convenient. Who knew? Keep up the fight and don't lose faith that we will rid ourselves of the orange vermin in the White House and his wreath oh enablers in the Senate. <laughs> don't they have the best nicknames? I the love it best. So much. And also, I'm like so impressed that she's able to write and also listen to a book. Like, I don't know if I could I could have that kind of um you know ambidextrous whatever mind yeah that's like trying to have to listen to chris it's like having to listen to chris wallace and listen to trump at the same time oh, and then have people uh, accuse you of not being mentally acute oh yes exactly right way to go barbara job, thanks barbara. for doing that yes that's wonderful six thousand that's got to be a oh, record her hand must be like cramp city <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to start a thread in our group now and be like, all right, how many postcards have you written? And we'll just total them yeah. all up. Do you remember that like indent you used to get on your um, ring finger from writing or was it the middle finger from writing in school like before laptops? Uh -huh. Like I yep. feel like her, she must have this like huge indent on her finger. Now I have one on my left pinky finger from holding my phone. Oh, I probably do too. Oh my God, I do. <laughs> I have them on both. Oh no. It's it's. it's 
Mine's massive too, because I have like that iPhone f- seventy plus or whatever oh, it is. Oh yeah, it's yeah, huge. you got the big phone. Oh my god, hilarious. Yeah, so I got that little indent on my left pinky on the inside there between the the two the first and second knuckle. Oh, I know exactly. I'm looking at mine right now, and it's bad enough I have crooked ass <laughs> fingers anyway, and this just makes it so <laughs> much worse. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, everybody. Now you'll notice yours too. And I, yep. I, I rub my thumb on it all the time, too. I play kind of like like a worry stone. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Next up from Adam. No pronouns given. Adam says, my wife and I were both over 40 when we found out he was coming. A pregnancy was not expected. In total, I think we knew we were pregnant for a total of seven oh. weeks before complications hit. Wow. We went to the hospital at 19 weeks along and were told there was a 75% chance my wife would go into labor within 24 hours of admission. At 19 wow. weeks, 40 is the norm. Yeah. She did not. Uh, we were then told there was a less than 1% chance he would make it to viability and an even slimmer chance he would survive without some kind of disability. My wife spent the ni- next five weeks on inpatient bed rest at the <gasps> oh, hospital. <man. gasps> he was born after just 24 weeks of gestation. Wow. We spent the first five months at the NICU. He came home on supplemental oxygen. A few months later, he no longer needed it. Though he be little... He is but fierce. We beat those odds. Through physical therapy, intensive work with our care providers, yes, even through COVID, he's now almost caught up to his birth age with no discernible disabilities. His name is Ezra, and he is our future. Watching him grow, I know, has taught me that being a a fighter is in a person's DNA. He doesn't know he's fighting. He just knows he's going to persevere. And at the end, things will be okay as long as he keeps moving forward. He's bright and brilliant and funny and absolute inspiration. If he can do it, we can do it. Oh, and then there, look at this God. little guy. He went a little guy. Look at the little mohawk in the second picture. I, I can't. No. So, so sweet. Oh, and Adam's Ezra. looking pretty cute in that picture, too, I must say. Two good, good-looking peeps. Yeah. That's a mighty beard. I know. It's I'm impressed. We got a beard and a mohawk. Well, that is very inspirational. What good news. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, next up, we have anonymous pronouns she, her. Hi, wonderful beans, ladies. I'm not sure if this is a good news story or a confession. With the COVID recommendations uh, to work from home, my husband is now underfoot, or I mean working from home. <laughs> <laughs> As such, he is constantly barraged with my input regarding the current occupant of the White House for whom he voted in 2016 as a lesser of two evils, she writes in quotes. I know. The hubby, has, uh, the hubby has spent the last few months really looking into current issues, the policies of those running for office, and we can now hold an intelligent conversation on politics and current events. We don't always agree. He thinks using loopholes to avoid paying taxes is perfectly legitimate, but... We agree more than not. Long story short, I recently checked his voter registration to ensure he was registered for this election. He will not be voting for Trump. And lo and behold, he didn't vote for Trump. He didn't vote in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> I also discovered that he registered to vote in 2004, which is after we got married. I'm like, dude, really? Anyway, hopefully this provides a chuckle or two. Love your show. Love the Mary Trump book club. And just recently got my sister hooked on your podcast. Keep up the good work. And hashtag vote Biden Harris 2020. Wait, that's hilarious. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. I, 
I told you all. I put out a tweet from my Allison Gill account. I was like, look, I bet you anything that there are so many people who said they voted for Trump who went into that ballot box and and clicked for Hillary or just didn't right. vote or at just all. Didn't. Oh my god. Wait, that's <sighs> hilarious. So she went to check his voter registration and realized he wasn't registered? Uh, well, he was registered, but he, he didn't vote for Trump in 2016. Oh, oh my God. Like he said he did. Hilarious. Oh, I'm dead. My God. Love, and he love, didn't love. register until 2004 after they were married. She's like, what? <laughs> really? Honestly? Who Come registers on, in 2004? Who doesn't vote for Al Gore in 2000? Really? Really? <laughs> that's, that's a good chuckle. That was good for a laugh. Ah, all right. Next up. From anonymous pronouns, she and her, we're headed to get our cats from the in-laws this week, so snuggles in the house will multiply. Fun math. Multiply three cats by one dog by three kids and at least one cuddly chicken. I love cuddly chickens. Ten total. Times at least three cuddly goats, 14. Times two adults. And what do you get? 28 cuddle opportunities. You know what? That's a fucking farm. I don't know. You got a farm? That's crazy. And in fact, it's 28... With the exclamation point after it. What's that called? Oh, 28 oh, factorial. I'm an actor, so I don't know. I can play a mathematician on TV and that's about it. It's um, statistics. So you 28 times 27 times 26 times 20. And then you get the all the possible cuddling co- combinations. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, of, yeah, 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 yeah. For, for 28 uh, souls. 28 factorial. Wow. Um uh, yeah, that's a lot of cuddles, uh, cuddling of cuddles. opportunities. Uh, anonymous says, doesn't matter. You can't escape the snuggles. You won't get work done, but you will never be lonely. Aww. Other good news. I spoke with a group who wants to, me to tell my daughter's story in a video that will likely become an ad locally and maybe nationwide. I may meet with Senators Angus King and a state senator soon, too. We need health care to work both in Maine and nationwide, and it's pretty literally life or death for my kiddo. Aww. I'll let you know once this progresses <gasps> that's oh, awesome wow well i'm so glad that she's gonna get all these cuddles i mean i've never seen a cuddly chicken i guess i believe they exist but i maybe do i want to look this up do i want to google cuddly chickens i've cuddled with chickens in jamaica that sounds like a, a weird sentence but it's totally true yeah it sounds like something illegal like i've cuddled with chickens <laughs> in jamaica <laughs> you know what I mean? Cuddle with and chickens in Jamaica. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dog barking after midnight with umbrella can't fly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not code for anything. They're just literally like lap chickens. They're adorable. Oh, well, that's cute. Who do we got next? Who do we got next? I love that. Okay, we got Gwendolyn. Oh, Gwendolyn, thank you for writing. Uh, pronouns she, her. So after many long years, I graduated high school in 1999. That's not that long, okay? I'm just saying. That's Amy saying that. I am finally back in school to finish my degree in middle grades education. I was able to choose an online option, which allows me to graduate in three semesters. Wow. I'm so excited to finally finish and show my kids how important it is. Thank you, AG and crew, for keeping me sane through this show shit show that has been happening since the orange menace was elected i've been a patron since the kitchen days kitchen days in the house gwendolyn awesome middle school middle grades is that like junior high well well she graduated high school so maybe it's like a teaching degree is it because she says i graduated high school 99 and finally back to school to finish my degree in middle grades education oh yeah yeah like so teacher yeah she's gonna be a teacher very Uh, cool i guess that's junior high what a bunch of 
Yeah, I was a dick That's a brave, uh, very brave yeah. <laughs> of Gwendolyn to do that. I, hats off to you, Gwendolyn. Hats off, Gwen. Hats off. <laughs> Make them read Where the Red Fern Grows and see how many cry. <laughs> All right. Next up from Anne, pronouns she and her. I volunteered to shop for people who rely on public transit to shop. I was assigned to shop for a woman who was taking care of her mother and not too long ago lost her husband to ALS. Ugh. While talking to her, I asked her if her husband was a veteran since ALS is a service-connected illness. He was a veteran, and I was able to give her information on survivor's benefits. <gasps> I plan on following up with her to make sure she has access to those benefits. Whoa. That's so wonderful. That's fucking huge. That, that can change her life. Good wow, job, wow, Anne. Wow. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't know. Yeah, don't know what the veterans' benefits they're entitled to. So, good on you, Anne. Thank you yeah, for that. Good on you. Okay, next up we have anonymous. He, him. I wanted to turn off the debates after three minutes, but my wife insisted we persevere. During the last four years, she had to listen to me vent about the daily dumpster fire of Trump. But she said, "You need to bear witness and finish watching this debate." I did and realized the wisdom she imparts on me. Then the following Maddow segment made me happy. I was even more grateful that my wife encourages me to be the best even when I am not. How lovely. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't have made you watch that shit, bro. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, though? I I was kind of in that position too where I really didn't want to watch it. And then for some reason, the fact that my husband was like taking on this very like honorable, like I am, it is my duty to watch. I was like, well, fuck you. It's my duty to watch too. And then we just hate watched it, which wasn't the best. (laughs) But, you know. (sighs) No, I'm I'm kidding, by the way. I, I, I watched him. I watched it. Watched the whole thing. At least we do it together. You know, I had to take a couple of breaks. I had to, I had to take up a couple of breaks. Like I had to hit pause. Yes. Or and mute. get the fuck up and walk around for a second. Yeah. <laughs> but that's really great. All right. Finally, uh, High Street Wino pronouns she and her. My local wine bar in San Antonio, High Street Wine, wasn't able to keep its full staff employed as servers because of COVID. So they started a non they started a nonprofit labor hours program. Customers can now go to their website and pay for a staff member to work one hour at a local charity. It helps the staff maintain a source of income. It also benefits the community. I love that they're finding creative solutions to help as many people as possible through this tough time. I've been saving money by not eating out as much, so I've been able to purchase at least a couple of charity labor hours each week. Thanks for all you do to keep us informed. Uh, and as positive as possible. So this is High Street Wine in San Antonio, everyone. If you want to so go and cool. buy an, a, an hour of local charity time uh, in San Antonio, it's High Street Wine. Um, thank you so much, High Street Wino. I hope we drive some folks there to buy a charity hours. What an incredible idea. And then if all of y'all idea. just you know, reached out to some of the local businesses struggling in your community and, and told them about this idea, maybe helped them get it set up. That would yeah. be incredible. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can get Barbara to buy a case of wine from High Street Wine. Hey, there we go. Is that Barbara's the one that's been buying the wine by the case? Say, listen, we're connecting people Barbara. on the show. Barbara, let's hook you the up postcarder. with High Street Wine now. <laughs> we're going to service yeah. the community and service Barbara, who needs the wine to get through her writing. She does. She absolutely does. So there we go. Love it. Connections. (laughs) High Street Wine in San Antonio. I love it. Everybody, thank you so much for submitting your good news. Amy, it's been so great to have you here. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? 
Thanks for having me. Uh, I would just say, uh, remind yourselves that this is not a normal time and feeling mm. unnormal. I don't know if that's a word, but feeling a little bit off is, is I think the normal thing. Feeling off is the on thing. So that's not helpful, but <laughs> let's just remind <laughs> ourselves that times are weird and it's okay if we're a little weird in them. Yes. And, uh, show yourself some grace. Yes. Indeed. Um, as Yeah, treat yourself as well as you treat others. If you're a nice person, which all of you are. True. But like if you're a dick, don't treat yourself that way. But actually, yeah, do, because I don't like you because you're a dick. <laughs> and with that philosophy of AG, I bid you all a happy weekend. We will be here at 4 p.m. Pacific time Friday. That's today uh, for our happy hour. So join us. Uh, patrons will, will be on from 4 to 5 Pacific and uh, for the public from 5 to 5.30. You can ask me anything. We'll talk about breaking news uh, and it'll be great. So thank you, everybody. Until until uh, next time, till we see, either see you at the happy hour or we see you Monday morning. Everyone, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been AG. I've been Amy Carrero. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazal and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>